God, I magnify you. I guarantee you, you may have walked in today struggling. You may have walked in afraid. You may have walked in with something going on in your life. But I promise you, the one who can take care of you, the one that can minister to you, he's here today and he loves you and cares about you. You can be seated. We are, I'm going to dismiss the kids to Sunday school. It's seventh day. Well, I have a new series that we're starting today titled Unity of Faith. Um, Sometimes I have a hard time doing these styles of sermons because I'm the type of person that I'm in my notes, like I I, I get off track. I never follow my notes. Right, Cindy? (laughs) I I, I have a hard time following my notes. But in these ones, I kind of have to follow my notes a little bit harder um, and so for all of you that have notes, if you want to get them from, um, you can go to our website, myhope.life forward slash sermons, and it'll open up into your YouVersion Bible app. There is links there, um, or you can go to YouVersion Bible app, and you can find it on there. Um, or if you need a hard copy, let me know, and I can give you hard copies of the notes. Um, but uh, today, we're going to be going through the book of James. Um, just the first chapter, not all five books. Um, and so I, I have always liked James because I feel like James calls us to action. And uh, I think like as Christians, sometimes we need like that call to action to do what God has called us to do. We got to be not just hearers of the word, but we've got to be doers too. So before I get started, let's, let's pray God, I pray that you would touch me today, God, that I would preach your word, God, that, it would, that, that we would, you would anoint the ears, God, of those who hear. God, I pray you would touch me, God. Calm my nerves, God. Touch me. Help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Better turn that off or we're going to get a squeal. <clears throat> so this study of James should be a study that brings conviction. I feel like every time you preach the word, it should bring some conviction in your life and some... Um, um, should bring some reflection on the things in your life. So, but it should also bring understanding for unity with the body. The body should be in unity. And importantly, unity of faith. So faith requires movement. Um, no one is taking a step of faith when we sit and we become stagnant. Um, we have got to take steps of faith in our walk with God. So if you never take a step forward... Do you have faith? That's your personal question to ask yourself. If you never take a step forward, if your life remains the same always from beginning till its end, did you have faith? Sometimes, that was funny, I was, uh, Tammy had her birthday the other day, and so we went and had um, pizza at Pizza Ranch, and uh, she, uh, we were talking, and we're, somehow we got on the topic of electricity, and we I had to, I broke the light switch and then I had to fix it. But I also broke this light over here, which I also had to fix um, because Alicia gave me this two, this light bulb. She was like, hey, you should try this light bulb, which I knew it probably wouldn't work, but I was like, yeah, yeah, let's try it. So I fried the light switch and all that stuff and that was fun. Um, and so last, uh, two Sundays ago, me and Carl were trying to replace that light switch and I remember getting shocked, and I screamed. And Russell made a comment, I think, the other day about me screaming when I got shocked. 
there's just something about it. Here's God, and here's electricity. Like, I've been shocked enough times to know that it, you don't want to be shocked. I told you guys, maybe some of you haven't heard the story of when I was younger chewing on an extension cord, and my dad said, don't do that. I, I struggle, <laughs> I struggle, you know, with electricity. I don't like it. So in the same thing, uh, we have faith in our electricity, and we have faith that when I flip the switch, bam, it's just going to work. We don't even think about it. And in a sense, that is similar to how we should have faith in our walk with God. When God calls us to take a step, well, okay, I'm going to take the step. He said it. He's going to provide. He's going to do it. But sometimes we get in our way. Our mind, you know, steps in and it's like, uh, <laughs> you sure you want to do that? Like, that sounds like work. Uh, that sounds like, uh, that sounds like you, might, you might have to put your, that sounds like you might get hurt. Anyone ever been hurt before by someone in their life? You know, like it's, it's, it's three or four of you. <laughs> I'd venture to say it's probably like everybody has been hurt at some point in your life. And that sometimes that hurt can cause you to be apprehensive, taking a step of faith, uh, following in your relationship with God. Uh, shoot, it can cause issues in, in relationships uh, with friends, family, husbands and wives, because we never addressed those things. And so I'm going to start, we're going to look at James chapter 1, and if you open up your Bible or if you use the Bible app, you can follow through. There might be some issues with the, the slides today because I forgot to put in the cues that change the scenes and everything. So if there's issues, don't pay attention. It's fine. You know, it's fine. It's fine. So let's start with James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. This is the first set of scriptures. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Could you imagine getting a letter from your family that opened up with, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials? Come again? I don't think I want to read the rest of this letter. <laughs> but you know what? I think, it's, I think it's important that we see the Bible doesn't sugarcoat that you are going to experience various trials. James was Jesus' brother, and he was writing to uh, the church, and he was writing to these, the 12 tribes, and he was saying, consider it great joy when you experience various trials. He wasn't sugarcoating and saying you're not going to ever experience pain, heartache, problems, trials, trauma. He didn't say that. But he said, consider it a joy when you do experience these. Making, being a Christian does not exempt you from the trials of life. So how do we consider joy in trials? No one likes the trials. But here in verses 1 through 4, it tells us to consider it great joy as we face them. So I think this levels the playing field in our faith, knowing that we will all face trials. There's going to be times when you're doing great, and it seems like there's not a trial in your life. And people may look at you and be like, what are they doing? Why don't they have any? Why do they have their life all together? Well, on the outside, the exterior looks like you've got it all together, but on the inside, you're just a hot mess, right? I I've been there. I've been the hot mess. <laughs> but no one gets left behind. Okay, so we're all on this level playing field, and I believe that the church, when there is unity in the body, 
that there's unity of faith, that our objective as Christians is to leave no one behind. And as I was putting this together, it kind of reminded me there's a portion of the soldier's creed. When I was in the army, um, the army soldier creed um, goes through all this, but there was a couple of points in it. It says, I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit, and I will never leave a fallen comrade. But I feel like sometimes in the church, like putting the mission first can be like, ugh, my mission, yes, I got no problem putting my mission first, but the mission of the kingdom of heaven, oh, mm. you know, like <laughs> sometimes we get apprehensive of that because there's going to be hurt and pain when you put the mission of the kingdom of God first. There's, 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 there's going to be heartache. People will hurt you, but you know what? Like you, you, you got to kind of go back and look at it now. It doesn't always happen that way, but you got to go back and look. I'm going to consider it great joy. I'm in this for a reason. I will never accept defeat. You lose your job, I'm defeated. Everything is falling apart. You wake up and you're having a bad day, I feel defeated. I feel like a lot of times our mindset is when something goes bad, I'm defeated. But then it says I will never quit, right? Well, <laughs> how many times do we throw in the towel? Ugh. I've wanted to throw in the towel before. Shoot, you know what? There have been times I have thrown in the towel. I've gotten frustrated and angry and upset, and I, re I resort back to the coping mechanisms that I had when I was struggling, addicted, and all of those things. But then this one passage right here, I will never leave a fallen comrade. The reason why I'm here today is because someone didn't leave me. Now, it says in God's word that, um, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but I believe that God puts people in our lives so that we don't get left behind. And I believe that that is what the church should be. We should be concerned when a person's not at church. We should be concerned when a person is struggling. We should be concerned. And, and to me, when I read these scriptures, I'm looking at this as an opportunity for the church to be unified. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. The field is level for each of us. But we often stop taking steps because we have a bad view of resistance. Now, since we're January 7th, someone in here started a gym membership, I'm sure. Did anyone start a gym membership this year? Cindy's over here nodding. Did anyone start a gym membership this year? Oh, good for you. Did anyone start one last year and sign up for a two-year membership? <laughs> there we go. Y'all stuck in it from last year, your New Year's resolution, I'm going to work out. <laughs> and you know what? I always say, you know, just having that little key fob on your key ring, you know, it's, it's, it's a pass. It's like, you know, I'm paying for it. I'm not using it, but I'm paying for it. We, we struggle with resistance, right? Like, if you want to do a push-up, someone, someone want to volunteer to do a push-up real quick? No one? I'm going to call on someone. Oh, come on up here. Come on, Jason. <laughs> there we go. We got a volunteer. Give our volunteer a hand clap. Go ahead and get in a... You know, I love it. In the military, they call it the front-leaning rest position. Isn't that ridiculous? You feel like you're resting right now? I never felt like I was resting either. When you do a correct push-up, you're supposed to... Oh, man. That's one. That's a good push-up. All right. But there's resistance, right? You kind of feel it in your, you feel it down here. Hold it for a second. You feel it down here in your triceps. Feel a little bit in your chest. 
Go ahead and come on up. <laughs> it's the resistance. And the more that you do push-ups, the more push-ups you can do eventually. Like, how many push-ups can you do? Oh, about 40. 40? Oh, that's pretty oh. good. I think I can. I used to be able to do 40. I don't know if I still can. Oh, you can stop now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Resistance in our life sometimes is hard. Why, why don't we all just get down and do push-ups right now? Because I don't want the resistance on my arms. I, that's work. I'm going to break a sweat if I do 40 push-ups. In the new year, people making these New Year's resolutions, I'm going to work out. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get buff. I'm going to get skinny, all those things. But the reality is, in our faith with God, there's going to be resistance. But in that resistance, it produces endurance. The more push-ups you do means the more push-ups you will be able to do. The more... The other day, I was on the stair climber. That thing's stupid. Okay? Like, if there's aliens out there, and they're looking at the world, and they're looking at us, and I can just imagine the place that they're looking at is the gym. This is how my brain works. I'm on, the, I'm on the stair climber going to nowhere. You know, and sometimes I really turn it up and I'm going to nowhere fast. You know, I, and you think about it like, I mean, boy, you want to talk about endurance. Do that thing for like five minutes. That stair climber, whew, Lord, why am I climbing stairs to nowhere? I'm getting nowhere. And sometimes I feel like that's what our faith feels like. God, I'm on the stair climber. It hurts. I'm tired of it, and I feel like I'm going nowhere in my faith with you. But that's kind of what a trial is. <laughs> is it's, it's, it's giving you the resistance, and you're building up endurance. So that when you actually hit the flight of stairs and you start climbing, you actually can get somewhere a little bit faster. There's a purpose to it, right? So throughout this study of James, I believe that there's an importance in evaluating ourselves. But there's also an importance in evaluating and ensuring that we have unity in our church. In this place right here, when we come together, there should be unity. When we're out in the community, you should say hi to each other if you see each other. We should love one another. <laughs> James 1, 5 through 8. So let's move on to the second set of verses here, 5 through 8. And this next section, I'm going to break down. I'm not going to read a bunch of verses. But these next few verses kind of all go together. So verses 5 through 8, it says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So, We've got to define our source. I feel like a lot of times we get stuck in a cycle because we don't define where our strength comes from. I'm trying to produce endurance in the gym, and that's where my strength comes from. Psalms 121 verses 1 through 2 says, I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. See, David defined where his help came from. And I think that it's very important that we follow in that footstep that we define where our help comes from because what happens is we will find a different source for our wisdom. How many times do we look for education? We look for it in research. We look for it in our own abilities. You're not going to find wisdom in your own abilities. <laughs> you know what? 
You can get smart with education, but it doesn't make you wise. You can look and research. You can jump on scholar.google.com, and you can read all the research articles there are about the problem that you're facing right now and be none the wiser of the solution to your problem. So just because you read everything and all that stuff out there doesn't mean you have wisdom because we haven't really defined the source of our wisdom, which is Jesus Christ, which he says if you will ask, he will give ungrudgingly generously i need to ask for more wisdom it's one of my prayers if you don't pray and it's since it's january if you haven't like developed a prayer life there is a simple prayer for you to pray god give me wisdom in this situation because you know i'm an idiot (laughs) that's my prayer you don't have to pray it exactly like i do (laughs) all right so if you're undefined in your source you're going to be unstable in your ways. No one wants to be tossed. Like it talked about the raging sea there, tossing you about. I, I don't want to be tossed, but being double-minded is trying to in part serve God, but also stay connected to that familiar place that, that you have made in a worldly mindset. It's trying to stay connected and trying to serve two masters. Uh, well, what did Jesus say? Is no one can serve two masters, right? You can't, you can't love one thing and, and hate the other. You've got to decide, I'm going to follow God. He is going to be the author and finisher of my faith. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises and together with its scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Now, this is not talking bad about rich people, but how many times do we like hold rich people in high regard? We're like, oh man, if I just had a million dollars. Anyone answer that question? If I just had a million dollars, I know what I'd do. I can answer that question. (laughs) I can answer that question, but you know what? It doesn't matter if you've got 10 million or you've got $10. It doesn't matter. You're human and you have to define your source. So in pursuing all of your activities to get all the cool things that you want, are you really following God? Now you can have cool things, but this scripture is specifically talking about how we're on the same playing field. It doesn't matter your financial status, your, your, uh, your, your fame status. And everybody, like, there's so many people out there, social media influencers and, and things like that. And people like, I just want to get, I just want to have a video go viral, you know? No matter your status, no matter if you got a blue check mark on, you know, on Twitter or Facebook, you will perish. You're not promised tomorrow, but we often have a promise that in the end, when we are laid to rest, we will return to dust. There is a promise. We will one day return to dust. Everyone in here, no matter who you are, me included, I will return to dust when I'm put in the ground or when I'm cremated or whatever happens when I'm gone. So remember, we all end up the same thing. We return from where we came. 
no matter how rich, no matter how powerful, no matter how famous, we all will perish. So all that will matter at that point is did you follow Christ or did you follow your desire? James is really digging in to the desires of the heart. He's really digging in to our nature in this portion. And I think that that's sometimes why people can be apprehensive of the book of James because James can come across as harsh. It can come across as hard. But when you look at it, if you don't reflect on your life and you're just constantly pursuing your desires, then you may be deviating from what God has for your life. So let's look at verses 12 through 15. It says, blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing trials should say I'm being tempted by God. Since God is not, God is not tempted by evil and he himself does not, doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. You're blessed in the trials. Nobody, like, nobody likes trials. No, no, one, no one likes tests, right? Like for those of you that are in school, like who likes a test? Like pass? <laughs> no. <laughs> no trial is ever fun. But every trial for every person is different. What you consider trial, I might not consider a trial. But I have to look at what you're facing and try and put myself in your shoes. You know what? Yeah, that sounds like a trial in your life. And so I feel like a lot of times we start to compare ourselves amongst ourselves because we're like, oh, we're all on the same journey. But your journey is not my journey. And the things that you face in your life are not necessarily will I ever face. There's things that people go through that I don't understand how they're still functioning as a person. When a person sits across from me and begins to tell me about their past and the trauma that's gone on in their life, I look at them and go, wow. Like sometimes I'm absolutely blown away by some of the things that kids have faced. And as an adult, I've never in my in my life, face some of the things that they face. But their journey is not my journey, and my journey is not theirs. And yeah, they're in a trial, and it may seem like every trial, minimize my trial. Oh my gosh, mine's not as big as yours. But your trial is your trial. Go ahead and own it and face it. Temptation is a trial. So God is not your tempter. That's what James says here. But your adversary... That is only a roaring lion. Ah, sorry. Like a roaring lion. Got to be clear of that. He's not a lion. He's only like a roaring lion. Seeking to destroy you. I don't want to give the devil credit more than he deserves. I don't want to say that he has destroyed me. Because I'll be honest, sometimes I'm the devil of my own life. And sometimes, you know what? I believe the traps that are out there. What is it in Genesis? How does it say um, Cain kills his brother um, and he's angry and, and God says to him, sin is waiting at the door. It's crouching. 
it's hiding, it's waiting, but you can rule over it. And sin, uh, Cain goes and Cain's his brother, Cain's Abel. <laughs> I, I think that sin is crouching and waiting at the door. It's waiting to tempt you and trip you up. It's trying to jump out and give you the sneak surprise attack so that it hits you right upside the head and you trip up and you fall. And you know what? That's the reality. Sometimes that's the case. But sometimes I give in to my own self and I put myself in situations where I set myself up for failure. I own my flesh, and I have to recognize that I'm tempted by my own desires. Traps have been laid in our lives, and we have to understand that we have to resist the devil. And so jumping ahead into James chapter 4, I'm not going to, you don't have to turn there, but James chapter 4 verse 7 says, therefore submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many of you have ever heard that scripture say, just resist the devil, and he will flee? There is some prerequisites to resisting the devil. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It's a two-part two thing here. You want the devil to flee, then you need to submit yourself to God and resist the devil. Two things there. And I believe this. If you submit yourself to God, but you don't resist the devil, again, you will fall prey. You need both. You've got to take action on your part. So I have to first submit then I resist, and then I can be an overcomer, right? So verse 15 here, I'll read it again. It says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when it is fully grown, it gives birth to death. It's talking about our desire, and I think James really hits on the nature of who we are. We have to watch what we desire. Do we desire the things of God, or do we just desire the things of our flesh? Unchecked desire will birth sin. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it. So if that's the case, my desires will tend to be contrary to what God wants in my life, for my life, and will often go against the word of God. So I have to check my desires because they will birth sin. And when sin becomes fully grown, it brings death. So... I look at this, there's some opportunities to check our desire here that James points out. One is, when we read it, we see that after desire has conceived, it brings, it gives birth to sin. When a child is conceived, you kind of know. About a month later, all of a sudden, oh, I might be pregnant, and you take a pregnancy test. Oh, look at that. I'm going to have a baby. Well, nine months, there's a process to it, right? Nine months later, you give birth to a baby. Man, I am not saying anyone having a baby is having sin. That's not, not what I'm saying, okay? Just like, let me make that clear. Um, just kind of relating it to the natural life cycle that we have. And then you nurture that child, right? You help it grow. You, you teach it, and it continues to grow. The same is what James is saying here is, hey, there's some warning signs on your unchecked desire. It's given birth to some things in your life, and you're nurturing those things in your life, and they're growing up, and they're just going to bring about death. So before you die a spiritual death, why don't you rein some of those things in and, and check where your desires are? And there is 
my pastor, um, he passed away a couple years ago, um, he had this saying that he said, it was check yourself before you wreck yourself. I was like, I don't know, like, that kind of makes sense. (laughs) Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And that's the case. Many of us need to check ourselves. While we don't always see to eye to eye, me and my pastor, we didn't always see right eye to eye. He was right. I needed to check some things in my life. Verses 16 through 18, it says, don't be deceived. My dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. But his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Right there where it says, don't be deceived. I don't believe that we can be a Christian and only a hearer of the word. I believe that we have got to be doers of the word. Our faith is defined by action. That's why James is an important book of the Bible is because it talks about defining our faith and and defining that action that we should take. I was doing a study personally on uh, the book of Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy, and I came across this phrase in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and it says at verses 13 and 14, this is Paul. Paul was ignorant, okay? The Bible says that Paul was ignorant. Paul said, I'm ignorant. He says, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man, but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. He said, I acted out of ignorance. He said, I was a blasphemer. He said, I was a persecutor. He said, I was an arrogant man, but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So stop telling yourself you're too far gone. Paul recognized, and it's written down for all history to read, I acted in ignorance. But how many men in here can't say I acted in ignorance? Lord, it's hard to go ahead and say that. How many times in the women does it, is it like I acted in ignorance? You're right. <laughs> Oh, I do it all the time personally, okay? I struggle sometimes. Like me and God will argue sometimes. I believe that. Like, (laughs) oh, that's probably why it took three years for me to get my act together to move to Detroit Lakes. (laughs) Stop saying you can't do something for God. So I have a hard statement here. I wanted to put that in my notes. Hard statement coming. When we stop our faith, we are deceiving ourselves and believing the lie of the enemy all while giving into our desires to not respond to his leading it's the truth and while that can be hard it's an opportunity for us to look at our lives this is an opportunity to check desire this is an opportunity to check is my life lining up with the word of god once you come to the understanding of truth just like paul did then we have an obligation to follow truth Once you understand it means we can no longer just justify ourselves in what we do. Well, I've done it, you know. This is the way my life has always been. This is what I've always done. You know, it's not that bad. I mean, so-and-so does this, and, you know, know, I I feel like this is okay. God's word is final. If it says it's sin, we can't redefine the Bible. God's word is final. You don't get the last words. He does. Listen to what uh, he said in Matthew 24, 35. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. God gets the last word. 
Psalms 119.89 declares, his word is forever settled in heaven. That means God gets the final say. That's it. So if I'm going to do anything, I should make sure my life aligns with the word of God because that's forever settled in heaven. James 19, I'm sorry, James 1, 19 through 21 says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I should read that one one more time for myself. <laughs> if it applies to you, go ahead and take that. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, <laughs> slow to speak, and slow to anger. Lord, help me to just follow that one, please. If I could focus on one thing I need to work on, <laughs> slow to speak and slow to anger. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. What? But what about my righteous indignation? <laughs> it doesn't accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. <laughs> Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Oh, that means so much right there. I listen. Mm, be slow to answer, slow to anger, and have the word implanted in your heart. Why do you think the Bible says, hide the word of God in your heart so that you might not sin against him? Why is it a light and a lamp to your path? Why, why is that? Well, because if it's implanted in my life, it's going to help me be slow to speaking. It's going to help me to be slow to anger. So how many of us, though, do we allow our anger to try and accomplish something in our lives. I'm guilty. You know, angry. You know, shoot. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and throw this person under the bus. They're not here. John's dad. <laughs> oh, someone told me the other day that he was driving around and, like, not using turn signals. <laughs> and I'm forever yelling at people that don't use turn signals. I think it was Sam. I think Sam told me this. And I was just like, I bet he is the guy that drives me nuts when I'm on the road. <laughs> My anger in the car about the other drivers who can't drive as good as me. I'm not a good driver either. <laughs> Doesn't accomplish anything. <laughs> oh, I got the amen corner over there. Yeah. <laughs> Hear it. <laughs> My wife's over there. She's like, yeah, I can tell when you're a passenger, you know, in the, in the car, you know. <laughs> She's driving, and I'm like, oh, you like really, you like driving up close behind him like that? You want to rear end him? Like, <laughs> and then she will occasionally, you know, say the same thing to me, and I appreciate it. It's different when I'm driving, though. <laughs> I think it's that control thing, you know, like I'm controlling, it's okay. <laughs> you may think you're doing good, but so did Paul. <laughs> and Paul had to admit, which happens to be recorded in the Bible, that he was a blasphemer, he was an arrogant man, <laughs> and that he acted in ignorance. My goodness, he is a role model for every man in this place. You know, for women too, but, but like, man, man, we, we get angry, <laughs> 
we're, we're, we, we're like, oh, I got this. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oof, I might have acted in ignorance. <laughs> Paul recognized his ignorance and stopped doing it. But sometimes we just keep plowing on and just keep going on. <laughs> We've got to rid ourselves of all moral filth. We're to have the word implanted in us. You want to rid yourself of moral filth in your life? Put the Bible in your heart. It will begin to replace some of those desires. So James 1, through 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. You know, when I was studying, like that scripture did not stand out to me, but like it really sticks out to me now. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Man, that hits me. (laughs) But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves it uh, and is not, forget, uh, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Man, I started to talk about self-control, but like, I'm going to skip that section of my notes. And we're just going to focus on that, that passage right there, 24. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. You know what? You can go to counseling, you can go see your doctor, you can go look in the mirror, you can do all of those things and never take action. Why is that? Like you can, you can go look in the mirror and be like, oh, I can't stand this, I can't stand that. And then you turn around and walk and you go back to the table and just, you know, eat all the cookies and candy and all those things. You don't actually take action to take the change because you forgot what you couldn't stand about yourself. But then the same thing, you can go to counseling and all of a sudden you can have this revelation of all the things in your life and you're like, whoa, I should change that. You leave that and you go right back to it. Why do we do that? Like, I'm guilty. I've been to counseling, therapy, all those things in my life. And you know what? There have been times I've had these like, wow. But until I actually started taking action, I often forgot who I was. I'd walk away and forget it. I want to be the person who looks intently at the perfect law of freedom, God's word. I want to persevere in this. I don't want to be forgetful of what I've heard of God's word. But we hear God's word, and we put it on the back burner. I'll take action next week. I'll take action next year. I'll take action, you know, next month. I'm too busy to take action right now. The Bible calls for action now. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preaches the first sermon to the church, they're convicted and they say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter responds, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I truly believe that when we come to an understanding of our ignorance, we are no longer ignorant. 
but now we need to be a doer of the word, but we forget sometimes. I only have a couple more passages that I'm going to read. 26 through 27 says, If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless. Let's go ahead and say that again. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father. This is an important scripture. If you want to highlight a scripture today in your Bible, underline it. 27, right here, underline that, memorize this because this is an important scripture. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's pretty good. So, in closing, many of us often use our knowledge to cut others down. Now, I'm not saying everybody does that. Shoot, I don't even do that sometimes. But there are times. Ashley, we've argued, haven't we? But more importantly, me and Josh. Like, give me a first-year Bible college student. Mm. Give me a first year Bible college student. You girls have been talking about going to Bible college. Like, let me tell you what. <laughs> Don't come back after that first year. <laughs> they come back and they think they're theologians and they got it all figured out. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, mm. let me at them. <laughs> Somebody hold me back. <laughs> oh, they do learn a lot, but you know, that first year they think they know everything. <laughs> uh, so to me, that's not. If you're using your understanding, you know, your understanding of the Bible to cut down people and be like, oh, you're not using it correctly. The Bible wasn't there to cut down. God's word can do that enough. Shoot, we read some scriptures today that cut me, okay? And that's the purpose of the Bible is to remove the things that shouldn't be there. I need, oh, now I come to understanding. I need to remove this. So we should strive to be Christians that practice pure and undefiled religion. Unity of faith. We're to look after the orphans and the widows, and we are going to do our best to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. I don't want to be stained. We should strive to be Christians that, 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 that practice this, meaning that there are some actions and steps that we've got to take as Christians. That's just all there is to it. I'm not going to get up and tell you that, you know, oh, you repented of your sins? Good. Now there's nothing left for you to do. I, there's some steps you got to take. There's some things that you've got to continue. You've got to continue to grow your relationship with God. You are going to put your faith to action. And that's why we're doing this study on James. Because you know what? Who needs, you know, if there's anyone in this room, I will admit that I lack in action in my faith. And you're like, but Zach, you do this and this. Right, my journey's different than your journey. I don't expect you to be me. I don't expect you to do the things I do. I don't expect you to get up and preach on Sunday. You know what? <laughs> but I do have expectation that we follow the word of God. I do believe that what was spoken of here in James is calling us as Christians to take steps of faith, to not just sit idly by I love, I'm not a football fan, Jim, 
but I love the Vikings fan. I consider myself a Vikings fan, but those guys, man, that's what I should have talked about at Faith in the beginning. You know, I already saw Jim making a post next year. Next year, we got this next year. Like, but I also saw Jim in the same thing. Like, he shared a post. He goes, here's the chance. This is how they get to the playoffs. And I was like, there's always a chance. There's, <laughs> there's always a chance. If you're a Vikings fan, there's always a chance. I feel like the church should be full of Vikings fans. <laughs> and I got faith. <laughs> We're not going to put a Vikings fan. New Hope, the church of the Vikings. <laughs> Adam Thielen's gonna come. <laughs> okay, joking aside. <laughs> we have got to put action in our steps. As a Vikings fan, there's no steps that you can take. You just hope they do what they're supposed to do, right? Like, you just hope they catch that football. You just hope they make that touchdown. There's nothing that you can do. But as a Christian, there is action steps that you can do. So, the last phrase in this chapter is keep oneself unstained from the world. So your application for this chapter is one, humble yourself and count joy in the trial, recognizing that your temptations are trials. Evaluate and see if you're just being a hearer of the word. Are you being a doer of God's word too? Three, recognize that we are all on our journey, and my trials are not going to be your trials. We're not the same. However, the Bible does say there's only one way, right? There's only one way. Even though we may be on different journeys, there's still only one way. No one gets to the Father but through me. Not me. Jesus Christ. Finally, last action step for you to apply this to your life. Keep yourself unblemished from the world. That's the hard one. That's the it, not impossible one, but, but it's, it's hard. And know that it's okay to ask for forgiveness. Know that it's okay to repent. Know that it's okay to admit that you've been an arrogant person. Know that it's okay to admit that you acted in ignorance. Take that next step in your faith. I believe that God cares about you. Regardless of it being a new year, a new month, you have breath in your lungs. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have the opportunity to come to him and say, God, I've tripped up a little bit. Sin was crouching and waiting there for me, and I, and I got tripped up. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for my sin. I think the story of Cain and Abel could be different if Cain would have recognized some things and he would have repented, but he didn't. God has the final say. God has the final say in our lives. So as we close today, I'm going to play a song, and I just want us to take some time to pray. And if you want prayer, if you're struggling with some things, you can come up here to the front, and I want to pray with you. I believe in a God that delivers. I believe in a God that strengthens, but I also believe in a God that forgives. God, we thank you for meeting us today. God, I pray that you would touch each and every one of us. God, I pray you would move in a mighty way today. God, I pray that you would touch every heart and every life. God, 
God, help us to take those steps of faith that we need. In Jesus' name. I'm praising my Savior. Praising my Savior. Oh, Jesus.
So here it is. 